Hello and welcome to the GFSB Business Podcast. If this is the first time you're tuning in, well then thank you for doing so. I hope you enjoy listening enough to catch up on past episodes and click subscribe. If you're a regular listener, then welcome back. One of the reasons I launched this podcast was to bring Gibraltar's business community into focus. I hope that in each episode, each guest provides you with a different perspective on leadership and the issues they face within their particular sector. Some fantastic guests are still to come. Each of them play a key part of our local business community. This week's guest is James Nish. If you don't know already, James is the new CEO of GBC and has an ambitious plan to bring change at the publicly funded broadcaster. James has had a successful career to date in broadcast media, both locally and in London. I appreciate that GBC isn't a business per se, but as the leader of one of Gibraltar's most high-profile organizations, James brings a wealth of experience and a valuable view on the community in general. I had the pleasure of recording this interview at the GBC radio studios. I'm not going to lie, it's been one of the highlights so far on this whole podcast journey. So mind-blowing and really enjoyable. I really hope you enjoy the interview. So James, thank you so much for your, your time today. I know how busy you are. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I hope it's not too late to congratulate you on your recent takeover at GBC. It never is, David. It never <laughs> is. <laughs> how, how have the first few weeks been? Uh, whirlwind, um, very, very busy. But uh, also very, very exciting just uh, seeing the staff so full of energy and so wanting to embrace some of the changes. Uh, one of the things I did on day one was, uh, I think, spell out a clear direction of where we want to go. And uh, already, I think we see little steps in that direction. And that just uh, fills me with hope and really just to really, really please, very excited to be here. It's actually a bit of a return for you, isn't it? Because you started your career here at GBC. Where did that interest in broadcasting first come from? It's quite interesting. I, I try and think of the answer and I never quite know. I think growing up as a kid who had... My, my dad used to work at GBC. My, my late dad was a, a GBC cameraman. So I remember once as a kid when uh, GBC was already up in South Barrack Road... Uh, him taking me round GBC and just uh, watching everything and how you know how things work. And I remember in in the break of one of the news, we went into the studio and it was the old news summary and another bulletin. And I remember it was like really, really for us now old fashioned, but it was really modern at the time because you saw like the 8.30 news and the news summary. Not quite sure if it's 8.30, but anyway. And they had this wall which they opened up and it revealed like a different set depending on what time the news broadcast was on. And and I remember sitting there as a child and asking my dad, oh, if I sit here, can they see me at home? And, and I think it's just like, I, I just think I, I grew up in that environment. And I think because I also come from perhaps the amateur stage background. So I, so I was involved in drama and dance. And, and I think um, when, when I was growing up, you see GBC locally as perhaps the opportunity to do something that's a bit more professional. So I, so I actually started in production. I didn't start in news. So, so talking about that kind of trajectory through GBC, how did that go on from that first interest? How did you get to GBC? I think once you're in GBC and I and I came as I say as a as a production trainee and I think you know when you when you look back I always think and say that perhaps people who go on to what I would like to think has been a successful career so far are the people who start at the very bottom because 
I know how it feels to be at every stage of the corporation. And I think that, you know, when you get to the top, it's actually important never to forget where you started. So, so I just look back at how lucky I was over the years. And I think, you know, GBC has grown so much. We have 80 employees today. But uh, when I started in the late 90s, this is going to give away my age, David. <laughs> when I started in the late 90s, I mean, it was a fraction of what we had today. So it was all, I mean, still very much all hands on deck. But it was basically, if you were moving a- across a corridor, you know, I remember Richard Cartwright once coming to me, he's like, Niño, tu trabaja en otro lado. It's like, do you want to do Saturday breakfast? And I went and started doing Saturday breakfast. I started doing some weekend shows. Then I moved on to court reporting. And then it just it just grows. And, and I think I've always been interested in people. I've been interested in telling people stories. And at a time pre-social media, it was so important to be able to... I mean, it still is, but it was so important back then, I thought, to give people a voice. And I, and I just fell in love with broadcasting, then developed the news career... Then went back to radio, then did news, and then did UK, and now I am back here. I think it was about six years ago or so then you decided to kind of leave GBC and, and try a career in, in UK. Why did you take that path? I had done at the time, I think about five years as head of radio, plus many other years. And I think, again, because I was so lucky to get to such a privileged position, but I was relatively young. And um, I think I was sitting in my office one day and thinking, I mean, this is lovely and I love this. Do I want to do it for another 25 years or so to speak? So I thought, look, look, the time is now to try something else. If I don't do it now, I might regret it. I always feel that sometimes you regret the things that you don't try, not the ones that you mm-hmm. go for. And I didn't want to live without regret. So, So one day I remember making the bold decision, packing one bag and arriving in London, almost knowing no one. Um, And the experience over the last six years, I mean, it's taught me so much, not only about myself, but professionally. And and it's given me, I suppose, in many ways, the links and the knowledge to perhaps do this job even better. So so this does feel like like a homecoming. But again, those six years away were just absolutely brilliant. It was a new life. It was a new experience. It re-energized me. It, and it just gave me so many opportunities. I mean, opportunities that even when I left, and of course, you always have a dream, but even opportunities that when I left, I never quite thought I would work in London to the degree and to the extent that I did. So what were some of those experiences in London then? Very varied. I think one of the things that happens, uh, particularly in London, that it's very, very, you, you've lived in London, yeah. um, it's very fast paced. Things move at a much faster pace. And that's not a criticism of Gibraltar because community life is very, very important to me. And it's one of the things that I've perhaps missed the most. But you also get an opportunity to work somewhere for about, normally I think the average is about eight, 16, 18 months and then move on very quickly. So I, I went on from doing some some regional radio to, if I tell you something, do you promise not to laugh? It's about people you meet, because I remember I got a call once, and um, this guy, David Spencer, who I'd, I'd met and I'd done some training with, became the news editor at Talk Sport. And he gives me a call one day and says... 
would you like to come and work with me at Talk Sport? And I'm like, absolutely not. I mean, what? <laughs> like, you know that every single listener is going to know more about sports than I do. And he's just like, come along, have a look. And I met Carl Hartley, who was one of the presenters. And I just like, I was so lucky again to be surrounded by brilliant people who were like, look, give it a shot. And it's like surreal sitting in the studio between all these big names. I think I was once doing a link between, sat between Gordon Strack and Harry Kane. I had no idea who anybody is. There I am reading the news. Um, um, and it was just like the most surreal experience. But then because I was at talk and doing a bit of talk radio and I was doing um, Drive with Eamon Holmes. And then because it was part of News UK, whilst I was freelancing there, I'd done like a stint at the BBC in between as well. But then when Times Radio launched, there was the opportunity to go and be one of the newsreaders for Times. So it was so exciting because we, we launched Times Radio during lockdown and to have been one of the original newsreaders on the station, again, another pinch me moment. And then in between that, I'd been doing some, because I was mainly freelance, so I was doing a lot of reporting as well for BBC Southeast. Uh, driving across the entire southeast on the wrong side of the road, as far as I'm still concerned, <laughs> and um, and yes, and then after about all those years, almost towards the end, um, the opportunity came again to go back to BBC and join the digital audio news team, which is what you and I would know as Alexa Play BBC News. Going back to your experience in London, was it a hard decision to come back? Very. <laughs> um, very for, for different reasons, but it was also one that hugely excited me. And I think that, did I want to be 100% honest with you, did I want an extra few years in London? Yes, I did. We don't find opportunity. Sometimes opportunity finds you and knocks at your door and you know that, you know, that is the time. So so it was a conversation I had with myself about, you know, do I want to stay in London for for an extra few years because I, you know, I always did think that I wanted to come back. I mean, Gibraltar is home and it's always been home, even during the six years that I've been away. I would have loved to have stayed in London for an extra few years, and also because I, again, as as a freelancer, and I'd gone full time, and I was a senior journalist at the BBC, and these just were like for me huge achievements, and I wanted a little bit more of that. But I think I was also aware that there are two, potentially three jobs in Gibraltar that I would have come back for. And this was one of them. And with that gone, if I let op that opportunity go, then the discussion with myself, so to speak, was, well, if one of those other jobs doesn't materialise in the future, does that mean I never come back? And that was the conversation that I had. I won't ask you what those two other jobs are. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Uh, everybody's out there trying to guess now. <laughs> the GFSB is a non-profit organisation that helps local businesses start, grow and thrive. Membership costs as little as £60 per year. Sign up now at gfsb.gi. James, as a, as a podcast host myself, uh, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes in producing each episode. Like, ultimately, I need to make sure that it remains viable and also, people want to listen. It's, in, it's enjoyable. How do you ensure that GBC is viable? I think that's a really interesting question. And I think there are different elements to that question. Uh, the first one, of course, is that broadcasting 
on the inside is much harder than what people on the outside think. And not that they need to know the amount of work that goes into into something like this, for example, because, you know, when you deliver a service, it's almost like if you go and have lunch or dinner in a restaurant, you know, like I'm not particularly a good cook. So so I perhaps have a lack of understanding of how much prep has gone into the in the kitchen, you know, and and the orders had to be made and, you know, they had to look at how much stock they have and, you know, what plate is it going to be served? You know, your food arrives on the dish and you just eat it and pay for it. Sometimes we don't consider what goes on behind the scenes. But like I say, neither should people have to know. We promise a service and that's for us to deliver. As far as providing value, I think one of the and I've said this before, I think I said this on, on GBC City Pulse program, we are very lucky to be able to finance a broadcaster like GBC as a community. And I think that that is vital. I think that is important for democracy. That is important for community life. Next year, GBC celebrates 60 years at the heart of community life. And I like to use as, as one of the big examples the GBC Open Day. And I know that not everything and not every day is GBC Open Day. But you get to Christmas and you see people of all ages so involved with their community broadcaster. Even young people who are a challenge these days to entertain and to attract to linear TV and and, and traditional radio. So even they are like, we want to be involved with this massive community event. Because for me, GBC is a vital part of the community. Look, do we want to be better? Yes. Do we want to provide a better service? Yes. Would I like to see more programs? Yes. I'm not going to lie to you. Of course, I think any journalist, any professional, any broadcaster, any chief executive, you want to continue growing as a company. You know, fail to evolve and you become yesterday's news, if I can use that (laughs) pun. Uh, So, yes. So, you know, you're vital. Above all, it's about providing value for money and how we provide that value for money for our community. Talking of community, one of the first things you did was hold a kind of feedback day, didn't you, in the uh, piazza? What did you learn from from that event? Did you come and see me that day at the piazza, David, to give me your feedback? I wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was great. It was great to, again, like I say, one of my aims is to re-energize our our relationship with the community and to try and see whether there are pockets throughout the year, whether we can bring that GBC Open Day experience to the community in other ways and be part of the community uh, like that. But I also felt at this time of social media when we all sort of complain about the keyboard warriors, but look, I am here by the Lagara. So I went to the piazza and I was happy to talk to everybody that wanted to come and talk to me. We had a, a fantastic GBC team. We started the phase one of our public survey. We did about just over 250 surveys. The results really, really positive and very encouraging. There's a phase two um, to that survey, which uh, is now going online. So so we're extending that to, to the wider community, perhaps people like yourselves who couldn't make it down to Piazza. But I wanted to... I wanted to get a real feel of what people had to say. And I wanted to do that face to face because I think we we shouldn't shy from the criticism, just like we should enjoy and bask in, in the glory of that glory is for us to take because people like some of our programs. And there was, like I say, lots of positive feedback, great comments. Yes, could be better on some areas and people had some really valid points. Absolutely. You've alluded to a clear plan and maybe some changes along uh, your kind of the roadmap that you've provided for GBC. Can you 
talk me through some of those changes. Okay, so I think for me, local is extremely important. Um, one of the first words that I used for staff in, in all our initial staff meetings was the word local, which is also an acronym for local, originality, C for community, A for audiences. Audiences will always be at the heart of everything we do. And then live, so L-O-C-A-L, local. Uh, nice. And that doesn't mean that we have to take every single of those boxes when we do stuff. But one of the things that I'm very, very keen to see and which we've already uh, started is more cross-promotion and better utilising our output across all our services. So, for example, I think people may have noticed that maybe some of our guests on City Pulse are now being clipped and maybe are being shown on GBC News or maybe they're featuring on one of our radio programmes. We've also already done some fantastic work, I think, on our socials. We're really pushing out the stories that we think matter to people, because it's also about telling people we are having these conversations at GBC, and sometimes we just have to put ourselves out there, because if people are really busy and they're not sitting to watch a one-hour programme or younger people do not want to sit and watch an hour program, perhaps we can give them three minutes from our content. Because ultimately, for me, it's about consuming our product. And whether you consume some minutes on social media, or whether you decide to be a Radio Gibraltar listener from nine in the morning to five in the afternoon when you're sitting in the office, which I know a lot of people do, and we're very, very lucky to have that kind of reach, or whether you just tune in and out of different programs on TV, I think it's about providing the variety and making sure that we're doing the best we can for as many people as possible. So, James, a lot of us will recognise you from our TV screens, from hearing you on the radio, from seeing you on the BBC World Service and being that kind of proud of Gibraltar having a presence there. We, we know what you're like as a, as a journalist. What can you tell us of your approach as a CEO? I think that's that's a really interesting question and I think it's great that people like you and I think the community see me as first and foremost the journalist. I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, remember, I also spent five years as head of Radio Gibraltar, head of Radio Gibraltar and, and online. So I suppose that, that in a way already back then shaped a bit of my managerial experience. But um, on the sidelines, and this is now dormant because obviously um, I am very, very busy, but for about 20 years, I've also run a local production company. So Stage One is, is the company that's, that I run. So so with that, we did manage a lot of productions. I, I like to think that we were sort of instrumental in revamping Mr. Gibraltar back in 2003, uh, uh, taking on some of the big stage musicals, taking on to centenary celebrations in 2004, organising and helping organise and be front of house for Philharmonic um, concerts, the big one that happened at the Europa Complex. So leading big teams of people and big teams of production. And I did say at the very beginning mm. that my background was slightly as well in production. So, so you know, so although... Yes, most of my career perhaps has been on the journalistic front and that's what people know me for. I think it's not necessarily the only thing that I have done. What I can tell you about being chief executive at GBC 
is that I don't necessarily think I'm going to be chained to the desk. And everybody's in a panic about how that's going to look. I haven't quite decided, <laughs> uh, but that's why when people invite me to be part of something like this and get a chance to almost have a conversation on air, uh, the answer is always yes. James, uh, again, we've talked about how much you've got on your plate, how busy you are. Um, balance is something that many senior leaders struggle to achieve. Do you? Do you want to ask me again in a year's time? The answer right now is yes. Uh, and I'm practically, literally just living out of a suitcase. So I moved to Gibraltar on a Wednesday. I moved into my flat at the weekend and I started here on a Monday. And I have had no time to finish decorating my flat. I have a bed, I have a sofa, I have a fridge perhaps nothing much more than that. Um, but because I have wanted to hit the ground running, and one of the things that I have wanted to do is meet every single member of staff. So during the first three weeks, it was all about getting to know this place. Remember that although I have worked in GBC for many years, I didn't know this fabulous broadcasting building. I still I'm still lost in some of these corridors. Um, but meeting the staff for me was very, very important because... Although I come with ideas, and and the ideas are the easy part, David, the, because, you know, anybody can potentially come up with the ideas. It's how we implement them, and more importantly, how we sustain them. So although those ideas exist, although a business plan exists, I also feel it's important for that to also be shaped by the staff who work here to trust the men and women who work in this building, who are the professionals, who know about broadcasting so much, and it's important to trust their judgment for them to not buy into the vision, but to believe in the vision. And I remember on day one on the staff meeting saying to everybody, you know, I was going to say, come with me on this journey. Let's do local, L-O-C-A-L. Let's do it together. And I remember just saying out loud, but I'm going to change what I want to say to you. Allow me to come on this journey with you. And I'm hoping that that's the way we go forward. It's a really open approach and trust is, is at its core. Final question, James, and it's one that I ask all my guests. Um, what's that one thing you know now that you wish you'd known sooner? Wow. <laughs> the easy one for the very end. I suppose, and without having given it much thought, that sometimes some things don't matter as much as you think, that some things are not important, that is important to to prioritize, and that, you know, I think I think when you're younger, you almost live to please, and it's really difficult, I think as a broadcaster, when you put yourself out there. And I always say, you know, you stick your head above the parapet, you know, prepare to get hit. That's how, and that, and that is absolutely fine. Um, so, so I wish that perhaps I had known back then that sometimes things don't matter and that sometimes it's fine to be brave um, because ultimately you're going to get criticized anyway. And I think it's learning to deal with that. I think as broadcasters, we develop a thick skin. Uh, so yeah, so I think I think that, and and also that it's important 
which I don't think I've ever tried to be vanilla or because I always say, and, and I've already said this to staff members, if you want to be in broadcasting, I think it's always important for people to see or listen to your work and have a, an opinion about it. I've always said, please don't be indifferent to my work. Love me or hate me. Love it or hate it. But please have an opinion. So there you go, James. Thanks uh, for your time and good luck with your brave vision for GBC. Thank you, David. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. I could have spoken to you for, I think, another hour. But thank you so much for inviting me. So there you have it. Thanks to this week's guest, James Nish, and thanks to you for listening. Hit like or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks once again to the Gibraltar International Bank for sponsoring this initiative, to the team over at the GFSB, and to Matthew Davies for the sound. Thanks a lot and see you soon.